The Small Business Administration relied on telework to nearly triple its workforce during the pandemic, so it didn't need to expand office space. Now the SBA is considering the benefits of making telework a permanent way of life for its workforce. Agency officials say it would help employees respond faster to natural disasters and help managers recruit from a broader pool of talent. We get more now from Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. To get a sense of what the Small Business Administration accomplished in the past year with COVID-19 economic aid, the agency issued 14 years worth of loans in 14 days under the CARES Act. Top SBA officials say the agency couldn't do any of it without the flexibility of a 100% remote workforce. Now those same officials are asking themselves how telework will look even after the pandemic. SBA's cloud-based networks scaled quickly to support mandatory telework during the COVID-19 pandemic. Employee productivity is up under full-time telework and could better position the agency to mobilize when it responds to natural disasters. SBA's Chief Human Capital Officer, Elias Hernandez, speaking at a recent ATAR conference, gave an overview of how the agency adapted so quickly under mandatory telework. When we got hit with the pandemic, we changed our delivery model from a face-to-face model to a virtual environment. And that particular investment, along with the investment that we made in IT, really prepared the organization to be successful during the pandemic. Looking back on the success of telework, Hernandez says the agency is looking at offering permanent telework as part of a strategy to recruit from a broader pool of talent and retain the most in-demand employees. This opened up all kinds of possibilities for the future, how we hire, how we retain employees, how we attract top talent to the organization. And that is something that we are actually already working on in terms of identifying strategies for us to be able to attract the top talent that we need in the organization, irrespective of where they are throughout the country. The status quo, bringing everyone back to the office after the pandemic, would make it harder for the agency to keep some employees. Acting Chief Information Security Officer David Truszynski says he's seen some cybersecurity professionals leave jobs in the past few years because they were offered a similar job in government with no in-office commitment at all. We've seen people leave because they were offered a similar job with no in-office commitment at all. And I think that that's going to be a competitive factor moving forward, maybe forever, that we're learning now that because we've proven we can work remotely all the time, that'll remain to be seen as whether management embraces that moving forward when they aren't forced to due to pandemic restrictions. At the same time, Hernandez says SBA must be able to maintain its presence in underserved communities that don't have high-speed internet or access to the agency's online services. How do we reach out to those communities, in many cases underserved communities, that don't have the capabilities that we have, right? So we have to have like a hybrid approach in our delivery model to ensure that, you know, that yes, in fact, we can reach as many people as we can utilizing technology, but at the same time recognizing that probably thousands of small business owners, if not more, that do not have that capability. SBA Chief Information Officer Keith Bluestein said the agency is looking at how it can maintain its personal touch in communities while keeping all the advantages the workforce has had with full telework. We're taking a look at right now across the entire agency. Okay, where do we need to maintain those presences out there? I think you still want to have that. But simultaneously, we want to sit there and push that digital edge out there so that a lot of the things that people go to the web to use, that we can sit there and enable things via mobility and other technology. So those are things that we'll, when we can catch a little bit of a breather, we look at developing those. 
SBA Chief Technology Officer Sanjay Gupta said IT investments made years before the pandemic allowed the agency to scale up exponentially almost overnight. He said the agency nearly tripled its staff last year without needing to invest in additional office space. You know, we've been able to attract and retain and hire more talent, which did not have to be bound by a locality or a region specific because we're no longer limited to that. So we hired folks in the last 12 months who are all across the country. So that talent pool for us wasn't available because of the fact that we are in a remote only situation. SBA, like many other agencies, moved to full telework out of necessity in the early stages of the pandemic. But Gupta said the fact that employees are more productive working from home makes it hard to imagine a post-pandemic scenario where most employees are back in the office. Staff can and is being productive in a virtual and a remote-only environment. I think it's beyond doubt by anybody's imagination that telework is not necessarily productive. Roger Garland, the director of SBA's Processing and Disbursement Center, says employees have been more productive teleworking and said keeping staff working remotely gives the agency an opportunity to save money by shrinking its office space. I think our footprint is going to be um, a lot smaller. Uh, we're not going to have to um, you know, set up for surge, even though that's you know what our business has been, because we can do it from their home. I think we'll be able to attract better people and keep them longer by offering telework as a permanent solution. James Rivera, the Associate Administrator of the Office of Disaster Assistance, says the benefits of telework are hard to ignore. I'm old school. I'd like to see people's eyeballs and face-to-face and be able to walk around, you know, the floor, so forth and so on. I am sold on telework. Our staff is so incredibly efficient from a remote perspective. And we've been even flexible where we allow some individuals that have um, children to flex time, you know, it doesn't matter to me where your 8, 10, 12 hour day is, but as long as we're getting coverage from that perspective, but I'm sold on it. While some federal managers have expressed doubts about the productivity of telework, Deputy CIO Louis Campadoni said employees are, if anything, putting in longer hours than they normally would working in the office. Without asking the workforce, you suddenly get 10, 12 hours of work done on a daily basis, and it's because of that flexibility. While SBA worked around the clock to roll out new systems and platforms to get pandemic stimulus money out the door, Trzinski, the acting CISO, says the speed and efficiency of this work also forced SBA to reevaluate its risk assessment and authorization processes to roll out these platforms. He says that's something that's likely to stick around even after the pandemic. The old school way of doing government risk management authorization is basically you wait a couple of months for a lot of paperwork to be compiled and some structured control tests. That answer gets you laughed out of the room during this type of thing. Maybe it was never a great answer, but it's certainly unacceptable in the last year. It has to happen soon. And it's forced us to define what are the game-changing and critical things that we can put in place or measures that can be taken in one or two sprints to allow management to make a risk-based informed decision on a go-live for these applications. Jory Heckman, Federal News Network. Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. We now bring you a special presentation from our friends at WEPA. Shane, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us about WEPA and your new podcast? Mike, great to see you again. The podcast series, Lessons in Leadership, what we're trying to do is, is take a deeper dive, a different angle into the conversation around leadership with 
great leaders at all levels of government. Uh, Since the 1900s, leadership has been studied in a serious and academic way. Uh, Great man theory, the leader-follower theory, the inspirational leader, transformational leader, all of these are backward-looking development of styles, looking at an individual, figuring out how they did leadership, and then translating it into a form that we can use today to learn, to perhaps emulate, copy. But great leaders, they have more than one style. I think, I truly think that a great leader can adapt and transform into the role that's needed at that time. So what we're trying to do is, is talk to great leaders and go a level deeper. Tell us about your, a story in your past. Tell us an inspiration that really affected your ability to lead others. And this certainly applies in the uh, federal space. The federal government, it's over 2 million employees. Great leaders are throughout the federal government, both at the top and the middle ranks. And what we want to do is ask them to pull inside their memory, pull inside their personal history, find those moments in time when they were changed, they were inspired, they learned something about leadership from another person, perhaps it was uh, from themselves, and they brought that to the workplace, and they inspired others and became great leaders. So that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. Okay, so I, I get that you wanted to start with leadership, but what makes leadership such an important topic right now for federal workers? Great question. Leadership today is tested like never before. Um, today's, if I had to put a leadership style, if I had to put names to it, we hear about um, empathetic, we hear transparent, we hear uh, inspirational. So today we have COVID, we have a down economy, we have people, we have social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. There are many new factors. And it's drawing like never before on a leader's ability to pull from within themselves and adapt to the current change. So leadership today is almost brand new again. We're taking all kinds of different styles, attributes, learnings that leaders have. They're looking at the current situation that we're in and understanding how do I move groups of people? How do I move my employees? How do I inspire? How do I get them to the next best place? So I think leadership today, this conversation uh, is extremely relevant, perhaps more relevant than it's been in several decades. You know, we talk about an employee's personal route to growth, but what role does the management side have in this? I think in the federal government, it's, it's a little bit different than it is in the private sector. Uh, My father was a civilian federal employee. Uh, He joined the federal government in the 1960s. John Kennedy, he was inspired by ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He had opportunities to go in the private sector. That notion of service inspired him. It inspired an entire generation. I would like to think that call to service which is unique in in the federal space, in the government space, still exists today. 
Well, that about says it all. But is anything else you'd want the audience to know about you personally or WEPA as an organization? Uh, I have been uh, around the group affinity insurance world for um, three decades. I've led this is my second uh, major organization that I've led. And I will tell you that we impart this feeling, uh, you mentioned it, Mike, about service, this notion. We serve those who serve. And uh, I will tell you that it's refreshing. It's a blessing to be there. And <clears throat> I have so much respect for civilian federal employees at every level of government. In this podcast, we're hoping to talk to leaders which are similarly inspired and can share their learnings over a lifetime. And uh, this will be useful information uh, for anybody in government service. As prices keep creeping up, your entertainment budget doesn't have to take a hit. Live One Plus has all the music you love, ad-free for only $3.99 per month. Dive into Live One's massive library of songs, listen to curated playlists, or create your own. Check out exclusive artist-hosted stations and do it all for the best price in streaming. Lock in a Live One Plus membership for just $3.99 per month now, and you'll not only beat inflation, you'll get all your favorite music ad-free. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. It's a well-known fact that good sleep leads to a happier life. Okay, maybe that's not a fact fact, but don't you just feel amazing after a great night's sleep? Like the first night back in your own bed after traveling. It's time to demand more first night back kind of sleep. Stop tossing and turning and talk with your doctor about how you can seize the night and day. And visit SeizeTheNightAndDay.com to learn more.